Howdy, but if you have, if you have a question or comment, feel free to unmute. Just give us a nice, clear recording. So we had been introduced to uh, Jacob, Yaakov, and Esav, and now the fact that Yitzchak liked Yaakov and Rivka, I'm sorry, Yitzchak liked Esav and Rivka liked um, Yaakov. And now the Torah tells a short little story about Yitzchak and, um, and Rivka. So here's the story, chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. This is in addition to the, to the famine, the first famine, which had occurred in the days of Abraham. The king of Plishtim, king of the Philistines, Girara, to the place called Girar. God appeared to him and he said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land that I will tell you. Says Rashi, Yitzchak had in mind to go down to Egypt, just like his father did. In the, when there was a famine. So God had to tell him, don't do that. Why? Because you are an oilotimima, you are a pure offering, unblemished offering. It was offered up as a sacrifice. Outside the holy land, being outside the land is not befitting for you. This is the second time we've had that in the Parsha. The first thing was that he didn't take a, a maidservant like like uh, Avram did, to have a child. And this is the second thing we're seeing is that he's told not to leave the land of Israel, Verse, which is unlike Avraham and unlike his son Yaakov. Three, Gur Barat says, I used to dwell in this land, and I will be with you and I will bless you, for to you and to your descendants I will give all of these lands, and I will establish the oath that I promised to Avraham, your, your father. This, so, so God promises the land of Israel, not just to Abraham, but also to Isaac and also to Yaakov. Huh? Okay. He promises all of the forefathers, all the patriarchs, the land of Israel. That's me. Thank you, Yaakov. I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the heavens. And I will give your descendants all of these lands and all the nations of the earth will bless themselves by your descendants. They'll say, people will bless each other. Somebody will bless a son. He will say, let your descendants be like the descendants of Isaac. Verse five. And why is why am I doing all of this as God? Why am I making this promise? Achim, because Abraham listened to my voice. Yishma Mishmarti. He kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my instructions. Rashi breaks this verse down, unpacks this verse for, verse for us, because there's a bunch of different things. These are not just you know, redundant phrases, God forbid. So first it says, Abraham hearkened to my voice. What does that mean? It says Rashi that when I tested him, he listened. That's number one. What does it mean he kept my charge? That means that, so the word he kept means to, um, it has the same word as guard. A shomer is a guard. A shmira is, is, is guarding, guarding. So what does that refer to? It says Rashi, that refers to laws of the Torah 
that are put in place as a guard, as a shield, as a preventative measure so that you don't come to do something wrong. In other words, things that are not themselves a, a, um, a violation of the Torah, but it's like putting a safety wall in front of a, a cliff. Don't go past this area. God forbid, it could be a dangerous thing. Mitzvah, so that's Mishmarti, Mishmarti, Mishmarti. And what's Mitzvah Yisai, my commandments? Rashi says those are things that even if they had not been written in the Torah, they would have been fit to be commanded. For example, robbery and bloodshed, in other words, things that the human being naturally understands is wrong. As opposed to the next thing, chukotai, the chukim, which are things that we wouldn't think of. In fact, even when we hear them, we don't understand the reason. And these are things, says Rashi, that the yeitzahara, the evil inclination and the nations of the world, they argue against it. They say, what's wrong with eating a pig? What's wrong with wearing a garment that has wool and linen? There's no reason for it, given one that we can understand. Rather, it is a decree of the king and his statutes over his subjects. So Avram kept all of these things. Finally, the last thing in the parsha in the verse is, he kept my Torah. What's my Torah? Rashi says, that includes the oral law. The law is given to Moses from Sinai, which are not written in the five books of Moses, but were given orally to Moshe. Abraham kept all of those things. Okay, so that took us through day one. Now we're in day two of the Parsha. So Yitzchak listens to God. He dwells in Gerar. The people of the place asked about his wife. And he said, ah, it's, she's my sister, because he was afraid to say that she's my wife, because he was afraid maybe they will kill me, the people of the place will kill me because of Rivka, because she is of comely appearance. Some of the other commentators, Rashi doesn't comment, but here is a bit different than the story with, with Sarah and Avram coming to um, Plishtim and coming to Egypt. Whereas in this case, the king himself, they're not, there's no talk of the king. It's talking about the people of the place. And the commentaries say that you know, there wasn't the same amount of danger as in the case of Avraham because the people remembered what happened with Abraham. It wasn't so long ago. They knew that Sarah was taken and it didn't exactly work out for the people who abducted her. And so therefore, it was a different situation when Yitzhak and Rivka show up. There's already a history. But the people of the place, they started asking around about her. So he said, this is my sister. And, and you see that, that he was in she was, in fact, not taken by the king. When he was there for a long time, Abimelech looked, king of Plishtim, he looked out of the window and he sees that Yitzchak is jesting with Rebecca, his wife. And he could see that this is a married couple. This is not a brother and a sister. And Rashi says it was after a while that he'd been there for many days. So he says, I don't have to worry. Now, you know, I've been here long enough. I don't have to be so careful. So this is what happened. Verse 9, by Yikrabi Melech li Yitzchak, Abimelech calls to Yitzchak and he says, she's your wife. How could you say that this she's your sister? Yitzchak said, I thought, I was afraid that maybe I would die because of her. So Abimelech said, what have you done to us? The most prominent of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. He was referring to himself, the king. Verse 11, Abimelech commanded all of his people saying, 
anyone who touches this man or his wife will surely be put to death. Verse 12, Yitzhak planted in that land and he found in that year 100-fold, meaning he, he uh, produced 100-fold more than was the natural amount. And God blessed it. We are moving right along. We just blazed through second Aliyah. Yaakov, you want to say hello to everybody? It's your Parsha. You're introduced. Okay, we're going to learn. You want to, you can sit here and you can listen. What's daddy? Yeah. No. Come, listen. It's a good story. Verse 13, the man became great. He grew constantly greater. Until he had grown very great. What is, what is the greatness? Rashi says this is material abundance. Rashi says that the people would say that the manure of Isaac's mules, Zevel Pirdais of Shal Yitzchak, is, is um, rather the manure of Isaac's mules, mules than Abimelech's silver and gold. Verse 14, by Yilam Yitzchak, he had possessions of sheep and possessions of cattle and much production. He was an entrepreneur. The Philistines envied him a story that would repeat itself many times in Jewish history. Verse 15, all of the wells that were dug in the days that the, that the servants of Avraham, his father, had dug in the days of Avraham, his father, the plishtim stuffed them up. They filled them up with dirt. Rashi says, and Hillel's not here, but he remembered this when we talked about it last week, that they had a particular reason. They claimed this is why they were stuffing the wells. They said that these, these wells are a danger to us due to the armies that will come upon us. Verse 16, Abimelech said to Yitzchak, Leich meimanu, leave from among us. You become much stronger than we. So Yitzchak said, probably a good idea. 17, Yitzchak left. He encamped in the valley of Gerar and dwelt over there. As Rashi says, the valley of Gerar was far from the city. So he's still in the Gerar vicinity. But he was away from the city. He moved to the suburbs. Verse 18, by Yashav Yitzchak, Yitzchak returned, or he dug again. He dug the wells of water that were, that were dug in the days of his father Avraham, and the Plishtim had stuffed them up after the death of Avraham. By he called them by names, with the same names that his father had called them. Verse 19, now the servants of Yitzchak dug in the valley and they found over there Be'er Mayim Chayim, a well of living waters. And the shepherds of Gerar and argued, quarreled with the shepherds of Yitzchak saying, the water is ours. So they called the Be'er Esek, they called the well Esek because there was, there was contention over it. Verse 21, so they dug again another well, and they argued about that one too and claimed it was theirs. So it was called Sitna. You know the story, Yaakov? Very good. They call I know the story. I know like the three wells. The three wells? And the last one finally don't give You want to come tell everybody? I don't know if they can hear you. Yaakov is now approaching the mic. Here, hold the mic. <laughs> 
Okay, what happened? What happened with the first two wells? First two wells didn't don't want to. Did, blah blah blah. Did, did the plishtim let them? Uh, when the, when he dug the two wells, did the plishtim say that's okay? No, no. Both them say no. And then the last one could say yes. The last one? Did they fight about the last one? No. Very good. Is it? <laughs> Is it good to fight? No. Is it good to be peaceful? <laughs> you know what peaceful is? Peaceful yeah. means not fighting. Yeah, purple. Okay. Well, thank you, Yaakov. That was wonderful. Where did you learn all this? My school. Your school? I <laughs> don't cheat. You're great, great. Okay, Yaakov, we're going to keep going because we got a lot of Parsha to catch up on. Um, excellent job. Verse 22, So Yitzchak checks out of town and he digs another well. This one, as Yaakov just told us, they did not argue about. It was called Rechovot, which means um, from, from narrow straits to to uh, spaciousness, Rehovot means spaciousness, and he said, now God has made room for us, Hirchiv, that's the word, Rehovos and Hirchiv, a road, by the way, a street is called the Rehov, because it's a wide space, God, God uh, made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Okay, we are really moving right along, we may even hit it, hit um, the halfway point of the Parsha, Wednesday, we're at the, the midpoint of the Parsha, Fantastic. What happens next? Vayal Misham Be'er Sheva, verse 23. He went up there, from there, to Be'er Sheva. God appears to him on that night, and he says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, because I am with you. And I will bless you, and I will make your descendants abundant. For the sake of Abraham, my servant. Right, the screen is empty. Uh, there's no, no writing on there. Okay, let's reboot that. Uno momento. How's that? Yes. Thank Better. You. Thank you. Verse 25. So he built over there an altar, and he called out in the name of God, and he pitched his tent over there, and the servants of Yitzhak dug a well. You see over here that Yitzhak, his big thing, is digging wells which has the great spiritual significance also of getting to the source of life that is within each of us, removing the, the rocks and the mud of, um, you know, that were discovered by Freud and others and getting to the living waters that is underneath all of that, all the schmutz. Verse 26, A group of his companions his general. Verse 27, Yitzchak says to them, Why have you come to me? You hated me, and you, sh you, you shicked me arois. You sent me away. They said, We saw, yes, we saw that God was with you. And we said, let there be an oath between us 
as Rashi will explain, the oath that we had, the covenant that we had with Abraham, let that same oath be, be between us and you, the son. Let us make a covenant with you. Verse 29, what's the, what are the terms of the, of the covenant? Just like we didn't, we are not going to, we, we did not do any, just as we will not do harm to you, we will not touch you. So you shall do only good to us. And we sent you away in peace. So do you now, blessed of God. They refer to Yaakov as Beruch Hashem, the blessed of God. Interestingly, late, much later in Jewish history, in King, times of King David, uh, the Jewish people did attack the Plishtim, and they had to go first through Congress to the Sanhedrin to make sure it was okay, since they had this ancient covenant, and they were it was until it was approved in times of King David and, and Yoav, the general. Verse thirty, Vayaslahem Mishte, so he makes for them a feast, of a bringen, They ate and they drank. They got up in the morning and they took this oath one to another. And Yitzchak sends them off. They go from him in peace. It was on that day. And the servants of Yitzchak come and they tell him about a well that they dug. They say, we found water. And he calls it Shiva. And that's why the city is called Be'er Sheva because of the oath. Sheva means an oath. Until this very day. I've been to Be'er Sheva. Verse 34. Now Esav was 40 years old, and he took a wife by the name of Yehudis, the daughter of Be'eri, a Hittite. The Hittites are one of the seven nations that dwelled in Canaan. They get mentioned every single day uh, in Shacharit by Jews, uh, where we talk about God giving the land to Abraham, and, he, and we mentioned there are the seven nations, and Hitti is one of them. So he marries a local, a local girl, Yehudis, the daughter of Be'eri, the Hittite, and he also marries Bosmas, the daughter of Elon, who's also a Hittite. Interesting. Their names are very nice names. Yehudis, Jew, a Jewess. Um, obviously, there was no such word at that time, meaning a Jew, but interesting. And Bosmas means uh, like Bosim, is, is like uh, Bosamim, like, like good smelling spices. But Rashi tells us, what is the significance? Why does the Torah tell us how old he was? It's telling us that Esav was a hypocrite. Each a hypocrite Yaakov, excellent question, is somebody who makes like he's very holy and very righteous, but really he's just showing off and he's not really so holy. So Esau, till he was 40 years old, he was taking women from... Esau? Exactly, Esau. Like the word like Yes, yes. And just like you see, the Torah compares him to a pig. A pig is not a kosher animal, but it has one sign of a kosher animal that has split hooves. So what does it do? It lays in the mud and it shows its split hooves. It says, look, I'm kosher, I'm kosher. But in reality, it's not kosher because it doesn't chew its cud. So it doesn't have both signs. Similarly, Esau, who had no respect for marriage, he was taking married women from under their husbands. But when he turned 40, he said, oh, my father got married when he was 40. I'm also a holy, righteous person like my father, and I'm going to get ma married when I am 40. 41. 35. And these wives that he, that he chose were a vexation of the spirit to Isaac and to Rivka. Why were they a vexation of the spirit? Rashi says, because they were serving idols. Verse 1, behold, when Yitzchak was old, 
and his eyes were too dim to see. So he calls Esau, this is probably the um, great dramatic story of the Parsha. He calls his son Esau Haggadol, the older one. And he says to him, my son, he says, here I am. Rashi says, why did Yaakov's eyes, Yitzchak's eyes grow dim? It gives three interpretations. One, from the smoke of the, 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 of these, uh, of the incense to the idols that the, that the wives of Esau were burning. The Rebbe explains that, um, no, we'll skip that. I'm confused with something else, sorry. Another interpretation of what happened with his eyes is that when he was tied up on the altar and his father was about to, to slaughter him, at that moment, the heavens opened and the angels of heaven were crying and their tears fell upon Yitzchak's eyes and entered his eyes. And therefore, much later on, his eyes became dim. And finally, a third interpretation that he couldn't see. Yes. This was all coordinated by God so that Yaakov would be able to steal, take, shouldn't say steal, Rashi says yitol, he should take the blessings. So he says to Esau, behold, I have grown old. I don't know when I'm going to die. As Rashi explains, why did he suddenly at this point think he's going, might die? Rashi says that a person should think about when their parents died. And within five years of that, they should start thinking maybe their time has come. It could be five years before, five years after. And indeed, that is what happened with Yitzchak. He died at an age of 180, which was five years after his father died, which is at the age of 175. So now that he was turning, he was turning 123 and his mother had died at the age of 127. He says, okay, maybe I'm going to die five years before my mother died. Therefore, he calls an ace of to give him the blessings. So he says to him, please go and, and sharpen your, your, your uh, sword. Sharpen your sword, your bow. I'm sorry, sharpen your implements and your sword and take your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Says Rashi, what does he mean? hunt game for me. He says, make sure it comes from Hefker, from that which is ownerless, and don't steal. Don't steal the animal. Verse 4, make for me tasty foods as I love, and bring to me and I will eat, so that my soul will bless you before I die. Now Rivka overheard all of this as Yisrael was speaking to his son, Esau. Esau went out to the field to go to hunt game to bring it. Says Rashi, what is this extra word to bring it to the field to hunt game to bring it to bring it? Says Rashi that if he would find game that is ownerless, he would bring it. But if he couldn't find, he would go and steal. That was his intention. Six, Rivka said to Yaakov, her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father, and he was speaking with Esau, your brother, saying, Bring for me game and make me tasty foods, and I will eat it. And I will bless you before God, in the presence of God, before I die. Interesting, this word, lefnei Hashem, before God, we don't see that in Yitzchak's talking to Esav, only in Rivka's repeating of it to Yaakov. And uh, Alter Rebbe says in, in uh, Torah Or that the concept of this lefnei Hashem is that y Yitzchak was going to bless 
Esav, his intention was to uh, bless him from a very high source, what is called Lifnei Havaya, higher than the divine name, Havaya, getting to the essence of God. Verse 8, but Rashi says, what does it mean, Lifnei Hashem? With his consent, that he will approve of what I do. And now my son says, Rivka, listen to my voice, to what I'm going to, to command you. Go, please, or go now. I'm sorry. Lech na, go now. The word na, by the way, could sometimes mean please, like um, like God says to Abraham, kach na, please, please take your son to the Akeda. Hello, hello, welcome. But in some cases, it means now, like the English word now, na and now. It goes, to, actually, it's almost the exact same word. Go now to the flock and take for me there two young goats, two kids, Good ones, choice ones, and I will make them, I will prepare them. Tasty, tasty foods for your father, father as he loves. Rashi says, Kahli, take from, you know what, I'm going to skip the Rashis because I want to finish the uh, the thing, and uh, we'll take a minute or two for questions. You bring it to your father and he will eat. So he will bless you before his death. Rashi says, why, why two goats? Did he really need to eat that many, that much food? Rashi says that this was Pesach, and one was for the Paschal lamb, and the other um, was for the tasty foods. Rashi also says that these were goats that belonged to Rivka. It was something that was promised to her in the Kisuba. And uh, Rashi also says that the goat, even though he had ordered uh, game, deer, Right. She says that Rivka said, bring some goats because the taste is similar. Verse 11, Yaakov said to his, his mother Rivka, behold, Ace of my brother is a hairy man, Ish Soir, and I am a smooth man, not very hairy. Verse 12, perhaps my father will feel me, feel me and I will be in his eyes as a deceiver, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Verse 13, so his mother said to him, it's upon me your curse, my son. Listen to my voice and go take for me what I told you. Now, Rash, Rashi doesn't comment, but uh, what does this mean? It's upon me your curse? So simple thing is, saying, don't worry about the curse. I take it upon myself. But as the Rebbe asks, what son is going to go and do something if he thinks a curse is coming and it's going to go to his mother? So that's a comfort. The Onkelos, the translation, the Aramaic translation of Onkelos, the Targum says that she said, I have a prophecy that this is what you're supposed to do and that there will be no curse. This is what the Targum says. Verse 14, the Rebbe said that you have to be willing to to go on self-sacrifice to do the right thing. Verse 14, so he goes and he takes and brings it to his mother and she made for him tasty foods. His mother made tasty foods just like his father loved. Rivka now took the garments of Esau, her, her son, her older son, Achamudais, uh, the costly garments that were with her in the house. As Rashi says, he didn't trust his wife, so he left his expensive uh, coat with his mother. And now she puts that garment upon her younger son, Yaakov. Verse 16, and she took the skins of the goats and put it on his arms and on his neck and she gave him the tasty foods and the bread that she prepared in the hands of her son Yaakov and he came to his father and he said my father and he said here I am Ineni, who are you my son and Yaakov said to his father I am Esav is your firstborn 
I am who I am. So he wouldn't, even though he was tricking his father, he didn't want to have an actual lie come out of his mouth. So he said it in such a way that could be interpreted in a truthful way. I did what you told me. And Rashi says he was in his mind referring to other things that his father had told him in the, told him in the past. He says, please arise. Sit down. What Rashi is going to do is arise and sit down. It sounds like a show. Please rise. Please sit. Why is he telling him to get up to sit down? Rashi explains that he's telling him, get up and go and sit at the table where you're going to eat and eat from my uh, hunting. So that your soul may bless you. Verse 20, Yitzhak said to his son, what is this that you, you found so quickly, my son? How did you go and get food so quick? And he said, because the God, your God, prepared it for me. And this made Yaakov suspicious. Why was he suspicious? Because Esav doesn't talk like this. He doesn't say, please get up. He's more gruff. And he doesn't say, he doesn't let, uh, you know, attribute things to God. So he starts getting a little suspicious. So he says, Yitzhak says to Yaakov, come close and I will feel you, my son. Is this indeed my son Esav or not? Verse 22, the moment of truth. Yaakov approaches Yitzhak's father and he, and he feels him. And he says, Yitzhak says, Hakol kol Yaakov, the voice is the voice of Jacob. The hands are the hands, the arms are the arms of Esav. Verse 23, he didn't recognize him because his, his arms were like the arms of Ace of his brother, Harry. So he blessed him. He said, just a second. Is this really my son, Esav? He says, I am. He didn't say, I am Esav. He just said, I am. Ani. Verse 25. And he said, bring to me and I will eat from the hunting of my son in order that my soul shall bless you. He brought him and he ate. He brought him wine, four cups. It was the night of the Seder. And he drank. His father said to him, come close to me and kiss me, my son. He came close to him and he kissed him and he smelled the, gar- the uh, scent of his garments and he blessed him. And he said, behold, the fragrance of my son is like the fragrance of a field, as Rashi says, of Ganeden. Hashem that God has blessed. Rashi says, there's no greater, worse smell than that of goat skin. So what does it mean? He smelled something good. The Lame that teaches us that the aroma of Ganeden came in with him. That is the story at high speeds. We'll take two minutes, three minutes for questions and comments. Hello, you look like you're on a cruise. We can't hear you. I got a question. Okay. Uh, uh, was Abraham live, live alive at that time when all this thing happened or he passed away already? He passed away. Yeah. Passed away, yeah. But he was alive when, 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 when Jacob was born, yeah? When Jacob was born. He lived for 15 years of Jacob and Esau's life. So there was 15 years that all of the patriarchs were alive at the same time corresponds to the 15 Shir Hamalois that we have from Psalm 120 to Psalm 135. Mm-hmm. There are 15 years, but his life was taken early so that he would not see um, 
Asov become a delinquent. So until he was oh. 15, Asov was was uh, behaving. But the Torah doesn't say that they uh, have somehow communicated on you know or or talk to each other or something like. Uh... There is in the midrash that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov used to study together. There's a midrash on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. But Hillel, you missed it. We uh, we mentioned your co- your comment from last week that the reason the Plishtim uh, stuffed up the wells, or the reason they claim they stuffed up the wells, uh-huh. as, as you said. They claimed that this was going to attract, um, you know, armies that were coming through. It would be a, it would be a liability for them. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you remembered it from last year, but I forgot it. <laughs> okay, all right, thanks. It went kind of quickly, but could you briefly uh, describe again this this confusion about which son it was? It was was it one the one son or the other son? He he wasn't sure. So he. Yitzchak loved the older son, Esau, who was not exactly a, a, a good character. Right. And he was planning to give him the blessing. As Hasidus explains, it's not that he wasn't aware of Esau's actions, but he believed that Esau could be reformed and that he had incredible potential. And he was planning by giving him this abundant blessings from Lifne Hashem, from this level that's higher than the name of God, from the essence of God, that he could bring out the great potential and sparks of holiness that he had. In fact, we do see that descendants of Esau became converts. So you have Rabbi Meir, you have Obadiah the prophet who was from Edom um, that came from Esau. So there was great holiness embedded in, in, in Esau. And that's what Yitzhak was trying to accomplish. And the truth was, what Rivka understood is that the the uh, accessing the great potential of Esau had to come through Yaakov. The blessings had to be given to Yaakov in order that he would um, refine and transform Esau, which represents the material world. And it's the, it's the long way, the long way of, of, of history. So Rifka overhears, she says, this can't happen because she understands that if Esau receives the blessings, it's not going to work in the way Isaac thinks. He's just going to exploit the blessings he, he won't be reformed by it. It'll either just roll right off of him and go to waste, or, or even worse, he will use it for nefarious purposes. Use the nuclear energy, not for, uh, not for medicine, but for uh, nuclear bombs. And it has to go the long way. It has to go to Yaakov. So she tells Yaakov to trick her father and make as if he is Esau by putting on these hairy, hairy skins and uh, in this way, get the blessing. And it's explained in Hasidus and elsewhere that this was all by design. The, the blessings were of such a lofty nature that Yitzchak had to be a little bit in the dark as a conveyor, as a medium through which the blessings were, hap- were coming. He had to be a little bit in the dark about it uh, so that even though Yitzchak was the highest of the high, as we saw, still he's a human being, a soul and a body, and the loftiness of this blessing was such that it had to come through in a way that the conveyor of the blessing was not even aware of who he was giving it to. So there it is on one foot. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a record-breaking Parsha report. We got to the fifth Aliyah in record time. Thank you so much for joining us. Wish you an amazing Shabbos. And we'll see you again Sunday night, 8 p.m.
Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Shabbos. Daniel, you have a question? Yeah. So he said that uh, when uh, when uh, Jacob Avino, I mean uh, Yitzchak Avino, uh, smelled the fragrances of goat, he smelled the fragrance of Gan Eden. So does that mean or goat that Gan Eden smells of goat? <laughs> no, Rashi. <laughs> Rashi says the, the Rashi, Rashi addresses that. He says that goats do not smell very good at all. Tell it smells terrible. He says it's the worst smell. So. Um, <laughs> He says that he came, that he smelled the the um, the smell of Gan Eden of Garden of Eden. That means that when you smell the Garden of Eden, it overpowers uh, any any unfriendly scent, and that's why he says that he says, "Wow, this smells really good," because otherwise, you're right, it would have been like, "Oh boy, you know what happened to you? Did you have to take a shower? <laughs> COVID is over. You got to start showering again." <laughs> All right. Good Shabbos, gentlemen. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. Amen, amen, amen.